And our New Testament lesson comes once again from the Sermon on the Mount, which Sam has had us in for a little while now, and we're in chapter 7. So turn with me there, or see the screen. And we'll be reading verses 12, 13, and 14 of Matthew chapter 7. So Jesus says, verse 12, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And then he gives this short parable. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever noticed how some buildings, uh, they might look big on the outside, they might just look kind of normal, especially this happens with churches, but then you go inside and you're like, whoa, this is way bigger than I thought from the outside, right? Um, now, that's a, that could be used as a metaphor for something else, but let's think about it this evening literally, right? Now, this is how I felt when I first visited Westminster Abbey in London. Uh, this is how I felt uh, throughout Germany as I was looking at cathedrals a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is how I felt the first time I saw the um, Cathedral of Notre Dame de Paris. And in fact, this is actually what it feels like to me still in our church buildings. You know, the, these two buildings that we occupy across the street, the French church, here the Methodist church, uh, by European standards, by old cathedral standards, are small, right? Uh, the French church in particular, you look at on the outside and you're like, I mean, yeah, it's respectable, right? But there's something that happens when you go in, you open up the door and you see all the seats and the, the pipe organ and the, the balcony and everything. And you're like, whoa, this is a substantial church, right? And actually, I think the same is true with this building. It, it actually looks pretty puny on the outside, right? But then you come in here and you're like, this is beautiful. Uh, and there's plenty of room for us, even spaced out. This is a beautiful place. Sometimes I think to see and to feel the expansiveness and the beauty of a building, you have to march up the walkway and you have to push through the doors and you have to go on in. We're going to talk about our passage, short as it is, under these three headings. We're going to talk about the way of fools, the way of fools. Then we're going to talk about the way of faith and finally the way of Jesus. First, the way of fools. Uh, Jesus is up on the mountain, still teaching, and a lot about what he's doing here should make us think of Moses. In a way, Jesus is the new Moses. Moses goes up Mount Sinai, brings back God's teaching. Jesus goes up on the mountain, and he, with authority, even more than Moses, speaks God's words. And he corrects a lot of really messed up teachings that people have made about the law of Moses down through the years. He's definitely a new and a better 
Moses. That's happening here on the Sermon on the Mount. But that's not all that's happening. Something else is happening. Jesus is not just the second Moses and the better version, but he's also the second Solomon, right? Solomon is, of course, the figure in the Old Testament that embodies wisdom. Even if his life might not always embody wisdom, he's the wisdom guy. Just like David is the song guy, Solomon's the wise guy of the Old Testament. Moses is the law guy. Well, Jesus goes up on the mountain, and he's not just the one who brings God's teaching, but he is now the wisdom teacher also, par excellence. And to distinguish between wisdom and commandments is worthwhile. Jesus doesn't just go up on the mountain to tell us right from wrong. He does do that, but he goes up high, and there he teaches us also the difference between wisdom and folly, wisdom and foolishness. In the book of Proverbs, our wisdom book, uh, wisdom is often personified. It's like a person. In fact, it's a lady in the, in the Proverbs. And sometimes this lady is, is up high on the third or fourth story of a building in the city, and she's calling down to the people of the city, basically saying, hey, people, don't be idiots, right? Don't wreck your lives by following foolish ways and foolish people. Uh, in fact, later on in this chapter, Jesus is going to call down to the streets, so to speak, and he's going to tell builders of new buildings not to be idiots. Don't build your buildings on a foundation of sand, but on rock. He's doing the wisdom thing, just like the Solomon tradition. So what is the way of fools that Jesus wants us to avoid here? Jesus, it seems, is indicating that the way of the fool is superficial. The fool wants the biggest widest road. The fool is headed toward the biggest, widest, most impressive gate and wants to live in the biggest, we might say, the coolest city. That's what the fool wants. This sort of makes me think of like a kid who grew up in a small town, same town where his parents grew up and his grandparents and his great-grandparents. This kid turns 18. He decides, I am gone Right? I'm not going to get stuck living my life in this pathetic little place. And so he's like, I'm moving to the big city. Gets himself a loan, buys a big fancy car, more than he can really afford. And he zooms down the big highway towards the skyscrapers and the city lights. I'm going to Tokyo or London or Paris, right? He's going to live an exciting life, he decides. Pretty girls, clubs, dancing, drinks, cool job. Not too hard, of course. He's going to make a name for himself. And then he's going to get an apartment in a high-rise so that he can look down on all those people that dwell in pathetic little suburbs and small towns across the world, all those losers living their boring lives, right? This is kind of the image that comes to my mind. Actually, when we were about to move to Zurich, we watched a little documentary video about the city, and they said on this video that the young people of Zurich. Europe, (laughs) look at Zurich, and they say, eh, Zurich is zu reich und zu ruhig. Zu reich und zu ruhig Zurich, right? That means uh, too rich and too quiet for the young people's party tastes. I thought, rich and quiet? I'm I'm an old man. That sounds wonderful to me. Seems like my sort of place. It's not the place to go, though, if you've got a lot to prove, if you want to prove that you can make it anywhere, right? If you're an 18-year-old kid with a big car on the big highway, 
that car is not headed probably to Zurich, right, but somewhere else. And the fool is headed somewhere where he can look down on tiny cities like Zurich or even tinier places like where I grew up. He wants to live in a place that's, well, actually a lot like Genesis 11, a lot like Babylon of the Old Testament. He wants to live like the ancient people who are building up a great city and building a big tower in the middle of that city and saying to themselves, hey, let's make a name for ourselves. We'll be like gods. We can look down on the people below us. They will look like ants by comparison to us. And of course, just like in Babel, uh, this is foolishness. And in Babel, and in this contemporary pursuit, it leads to destruction. The tower and the city of Babel uh, laid in ruins, and ironically, all the people there went back into the country and lived in little villages. Jesus says that the way of the fool is to think that because the highway is impressive and the gate of the city that you're approaching is impressive, then when you get through the gate, the city itself is going to be heaven on earth. And it's like Jesus says, nah, man, that's overrated. In fact, worse. You could find yourself in hell on earth. If your life is built on making a name for yourself, designing pleasures for yourself, getting toys for yourself, making other people wish that they were you, well, you're going to end up zooming down that wide highway and blowing through that magnificent gate, and then the gate will close behind you, and you'll discover that you've committed yourself to a wasteland of a city. You'll be like somebody who moved to London just before the Blitz, or to Dresden just before the air raids. You'll be like somebody who moved to New Orleans just before Katrina, or to Beirut two weeks ago. You won't know what you've gotten yourself into. You will have committed your life to a pile of rubble. And you'll be sorting through the rubble, wondering if you can eke out some kind of existence amidst the wreckage. And so Jesus is asking us here, are you on the big old fat highway, heading for the big old gates, looking for a big old city where you can make a big old name for yourself. And he says, don't be a fool. You weren't made to live in a big pile of rubble. Don't follow the way of the fool. Of course, then he contrasts that with the way that he wants you to take, the way of wisdom, the way of faith. By contrast, Jesus says, take the road less traveled. You might say, be a little bit more like the kid who was born in Bethlehem, who spent his life in sort of flyover country, Nazareth, right? Take the little narrow road and head for the tiny little gate. There's a city on the other side of that gate, and it's not full of superficial city slicker types. They're not filming Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. That was a show that, I, that came on the air on Sunday mornings of all times when I was a kid. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Raise your hand if you've seen that ever. It's just me. Okay. There was such a show, I assure you. The city is not the place where they film such a show. Uh, you, can, you can't go here to make a name for yourself. 
so that you can look down on all of your relatives and your schoolmates who are still living their boring suburban lives. But instead, what you will find in the city is not superficial life, but real life. This is the word zoe. We call people sometimes zoe. That's the Greek word for life. Jesus says this is the path that leads to full and free and abundant life. Not piles of rubble, but people that are passionately pursuing purposeful lives in a city under God's smile. And in the city of God, don't get me wrong, there will be wealth. But it won't be spent on superficial bling. It'll be spent, rather, on significance and beauty. In fact, the image that we see at the end of our Bibles, the heavenly Zion, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, this is a city that's buzzing with life. It's got vitality. And in fact, every culture and people group and linguistic group, they bring themselves and they bring the best of their cultural goods into the city. All the foods and tools and art come with them and they come and they share these things with the nations. Um, my friend Kaori just brought me a big bag of Colombian coffee this afternoon. The Colombians will come into the New Jerusalem and they will bring their best coffee crops and more with them. Uh, my family friend Naboku uh, sends us every now and then delicious Japanese treats, and she will bring a big purse full of Japanese treats along with many other things into Zion. And I can't wait for that day. It will be a cultural feast, and it will go on forever. And the vision there at the end of the Bible is also that this true city, this anti-Babylon, this Zion, is also a garden at the same time that it's a city. No concrete canyons here, with no greenery, but a garden city. In fact, the tree of life is in the middle of it. And its leaves are for the healing of the nations. And nobody in this city lusts after the lights of the big city. Because, well, the Lord himself fills the place with his light and with his very own life. And so Jesus, the great wisdom teacher, is saying, folks, Look with me at these two cities. Don't just look at the size of the highways on the way. Don't just look at how impressive the gates are. But look closely with me at what's going on in these cities. Don't be a fool and bet your life on a city of fools that's really ultimately a kind of death. Can we do this? Can we imagine this heavenly city. Imagine our Seoul, Korea, and our New Yorks, and our Bogotas, but imagine them with all of the life and food and culture and energy, but without the poverty and the vanity and the human trafficking. Imagine our Mexico cities and our uh, Dachas and our Baghdads with all their history and their architecture and all of the, the human faces and all their diversity, but without the drug cartels and the sweatshops. Friends, the vitality, Jesus is saying, that we want, that we crave, that we desire, is not found in the big, impressive city of man, but it's found in the city of God. It's found under the smile of God. It's found 
in covenant with God. The way of faith brings you down what might be an unimpressive road and through a simple gate. But when you press through the gate, Jesus says, it broadens out to actually include the entire creation, full of God's glory and the joy and vitality of humans who are made and redeemed and renewed in God's own image. Compared to the way of fools and the city at the end of it, this is glorious stuff, right? This makes me think of that famous place where C.S. Lewis said, look, we are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Lewis says, our desires are not too strong, but too weak. We are far too easily pleased. If only we could have full hearts in our chests, and if only those hearts could beat after the true city whose building and foundation are not ultimately built by human hands. Well, then we wouldn't mind, would we, walking the way of faith and pushing through the narrow gate so that we could open into an eternal city with all of its everlasting vitality. That's the way of faith. But lastly, we need to say, what is the way of Jesus? Here's the weird thing. Jesus plays all the roles in the New Testament and in the Bible. Jesus thinks that he actually is the road. Jesus says in the Gospels that he actually is a gate. He says that he's going to be the glory of the new Jerusalem. But he also says that he is the road to that fabulous city. And that means that the way of wisdom for us to walk right now is the way with the Lord Jesus. And it's a narrow way, he says. Not that many people are interested. To some, it doesn't look like much fun at all. But the church is bigger on the inside than it looks on the outside. And the life of God's kingdom is bigger on the inside than it appears from the outside. And there is difficulty and pain in the Christian life. But look, it's also full of joy. I'm studying a Frenchman named Jean-Luc Marion, and he's a member of the prestigious Académie Française, in case you wanted his credentials. And he's one of the most important philosophers of our time. And there's a little video of him where somebody asked him, why would you remain a Christian in the 21st century? And what was his answer? He said, purely selfish reasons, because it's more joyful. He said, this is a philosopher again. He said, it is more fun to be a Christian than not. Fun, that's what the philosopher says, the reason that he's following Jesus in 2020. And it's true. It's a narrow road, but while you're on that road, you realize that you've embarked on an adventure that will last for all eternity, that will entail the beautifying and the vitalizing of the entire creation. 
that you get to be a co-laborer with one another and with Christ Jesus in the work of vitalization of the whole creation. You'll discover the secret that by giving up on making a name for yourself, by committing yourself instead to making a name of Jesus and making his name treasured and trusted throughout the whole creation, well, you're actually on your way to the life that secretly you've always wanted but never quite dared was really possible. Jesus says this is the path that leads to life. It's the Jesus path. And the way that it is for us the path of life, once we press through the narrow path and through the tiny gate, is because this is the same path that was paved for us out of the life-giving death of the Lord Jesus. You see, Jesus went into the city, didn't he? Even though he was a man from the town and the country. And Jesus experienced all the desolation of a bombed out city so that you and I could thrive together in the city of God. Jesus went into Jerusalem and faced the destruction of his very body at the hands of wicked people so that you and I could press through the gate and into the new Jerusalem where no evildoer will ever be able to harm us. And Jesus is not just our companion along the road, which is great, that makes it fun, but he has blazed the trail and paved the road and built the gate of entry into the city of our dreams. And he's done it with his very own life, with his very own soul, with his very body. And so when Jesus, the better and the greater Solomon, calls out to us today and says, hey, don't be idiots. You don't want to miss this. We should listen, right? Because he's not just giving us good advice. This is the wisdom of God in a person, in Jesus. And not just some abstract wisdom, but wisdom in person who gave himself for us that we might, as Paul says, become wise unto salvation. So let's walk the path, friends. Who cares if the other path is more impressive? Let's press through the gate together. Let's grab a hold of one another and keep walking together and press through the gate. Who cares if it's a tiny little humble gate? And let's enter through Jesus himself into the city of God that never stops bursting with new life forever and forever and forever, world without end. Amen? Let's pray together. Gracious God, we want to be the wise people who hear and heed the voice of wisdom as it comes to us from Jesus. Thank you for making him our wisdom, your wisdom. Thank you for blazing the path of eternity for us. We pray that you would give us each the conviction that anything that we might lose in terms of superficial or substantial pleasures along the way is worth it because of the joy that's set before us. Thank you that the Lord Jesus endured the cross and despised the shame and for the joy set before him, which is in part 
to be with us forever, went to the cross. And thank you that he blazed the trail through death and into new life and on to the new Jerusalem. Help us, we pray, to follow hard after him no matter what. Make it our pure and holy passion to know him and to follow hard after him and to do it together in community. And remind us along the way of the great joy and, yes, even the fun of following our Savior, who is our all in all and who we worship this evening. We make our prayer in his name. Amen.